you would, please open your Bibles to chapter 10 of the Gospel of Matthew. We are looking at the personalities of the disciples and the provisions of the disciples. We'll look at the first five verses. Matthew 10. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Now the name of the 12 apostles are these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out after instructing them, do not go in the way of the Gentiles and do not enter any city of the Samaritans. Father, let us see these normal men that you used in astonishing ways. Father, may we also understand that each of us here today, when yielded, will be used in astonishing ways. Father, overwhelm us. Take us to where we need to be, that we may be mirrors of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, Father. Help us. In Christ's name. Amen. If you read this, you'll see that he begins it in verse 1. He summoned his 12 disciples. But then if you fall down just a little more, you realize that he sent them out. You cannot send out someone who is not trained. Okay? And yet, what is the Great Commission? Go and make disciples. It is really nice if you're going to make learners that you have some information to give. Okay? It is really nice if you've got some good information to give. There's a lot of people out there giving information, but it's, it's not good information. Okay? A lot of what we hear today... And, 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 I, and I've seen this, I remember the first few times I was in Russia, that the guys that were the pastors were the enthusiastic ones. Okay? They didn't have any information, but by golly, they were passionate about it. And so, you must be a preacher. And you're like, well, I ain't really sure that's how this deal works. And so, when that door opened for us to teach, teach them how to utilize Scripture, it was kind of fascinating. Because it was like you could see all the little lights coming on. Whoa, I have this passion, but I just really didn't have any information. Now I have this passion, and I have some information. Okay, and we see how that has now been a harvest in the land of Israel. It has moved down. Okay, from Russian Jews who migrated, who had been exposed to our teaching. Right now, I'd like to tell you we had that all planned out, but that would be a lie. <laughs> so I didn't even know they were Russian Jews. I just share with whoever will listen. God will use us as we yield. Listen, I, I know a whole bunch of people who know way more Bible than I'll ever know. But they're not yielded. They're very good at Bible trivia. But they're not yielded. 
we are not to master the Scriptures. We are to be mastered by the Scriptures. And there is a huge difference. Because a person who has been mastered by the Scriptures will stand out like a sore thumb because it is so strange. It is so abnormal. Okay? Yet, God will take each of our personalities, our characteristics, and He will, through our life experiences, use that to be a tool in His hand. Okay? We started looking at this last week at Peter. I mean, I've heard a lot of people try to describe Peter. Okay, now, but I also know that, and I shared this last week, that people who have a a tendency for leadership ask questions. Okay, why? Because they want information so that they can be active. Okay, but when you're active, that means you're going to be right in the middle of it. Which at times, if your information is faulty, (laughs) you make a mess of it. All right. I I used to uh, work at a challenge course down south and I used to tell the people as the the kids as they were getting ready to go through the obstacles. I said, you got two eyes, you got two ears and you got one mouth. What should you be doing twice as much of? Okay, which doesn't really work because they should be looking and listening, which means I'm just going to keep talking. Okay, because it's. That's just what you can tell everybody this, but you just look at them and go, that didn't work. But I see this a lot and I see it in the Christian community. A lot of people want to talk. Okay, there are two styles of gifts. There are speaking gifts and there are serving gifts. Now, I'm not the smartest person, brightest color in the crayon box. But which one do you suppose they're going to be the most of? Serving gifts. Right? But why does everybody want to talk? James says not many of you should be teachers, for theirs is a harsher judgment. Anybody ever read that? You might want to think about reading that. Everybody thinks that if you're... The spokesman, you're it. Okay? Listen, I have learned some of my greatest theology from people who never said a word. You watch their lives. And their lives will tell you more than a whole bunch of mouthy people. Okay? Peter, throughout the New Testament, is the leader. He is the spokesman of the disciples. There's no doubt in my mind. But let's be realistic. He was always the one to ask questions. And he was always the one to blurt out some kind of answer. All right? And we all know people like that. All right? I mean, but the problem is, too many people are given opinion, they're not given answers. Because I have more respect for someone who looks at me and says, I don't know, than someone who makes something up. 
Okay? But I've had people ask me questions. And I tell them, I don't know. Well, I thought you were... (laughs) Well, I'm not all-knowing. Talk to my boss. God will make leaders by taking the people with the right material and He puts them through the right experiences to make them a leader. I, one of the greatest honors that I ever had was one of the few times in the early time of the Shepherds Conference. It was, you weren't allowed to have more than 300 people there. And we all ate together. And, and you could sit down and talk with Dr. Mayhew or Dr. MacArthur or Dr. Thomas, whoever, and you just sit and you could sit and talk to them. And I remember one of the greatest compliments that was ever given to me. He says, I admire you. And I thought, me? And he says, and I said, how can that be? And he says, you're not afraid to ask questions. Okay? And I'm still that way. I'm not going to stop asking questions. Because when you stop asking questions, then that means you've arrived. And you know it all. And you know what? I deal with those people every week. The know-it-alls. And then I be sitting there smiling at them and my little brain goes off to its happy place. And I hang out in my little happy place. They get done telling me all that they know and then I come back. Okay? So what did they benefit? Now you can say, well, that's rude. Really? You want me to tell them? Why are you a know-it-all? Because, see, a know-it-all has no concept of even how to spell humble. Let alone be it. There are times that I look at Peter and say, there's not a fiber of humility anywhere in that man's life. But I also know that he denied to Christ the third time and looked across the courtyard and him and Jesus made eye contact. And I do not know how humiliating that would have had to be. And when he says, do you love me? And he says, you know that I really like you. And he says, but do you love me? And he says, you know, I really, really like you. And he says, Do you really like me? That's Peter. See, Peter had to learn what submission was. Pay your taxes for preaching. Go down and get a coin out of a fish. He had to understand restraint. When they came to arrest him, he cut Malchus' servant's ear off. He says, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Back away from it. He had to learn humility. I just shared that. He had to learn sacrifice. Should we listen to men or should we listen to God? And all of these he understood love when Jesus washed his feet. See, the Lord will teach us the right lessons. If you go look at the first 12 chapters of the book of Acts, we see Peter leading to the replacement of Judas after he had killed himself. It was Peter's idea. We see Peter walk into the very group of people who crucified Jesus Christ and said, 
preach the gospel after Pentecost. We see him heal the lame man. We see him stand up over and over and over to the Jewish leadership. We saw him confront Ananias and Sapphira. We see him deal with the magician, Simon. You see him heal Arenas. We see him raise Dorcas from the dead. And you know what? Among all of that was most amazing. He even took the gospel to the Gentiles. He wrote two letters. And if you read the two letters, go read the two letters. Just They're not long. Go read them. And you will see everything that I've just shared with you that was taught to him by Jesus, he repeats. Peter was a model of spiritual leadership. Even in his death, he was a model. He was warned by the Lord that he would be crucified for God's glory. Tradition, the first century church leader says that he was crucified. But there's things that we don't know about it. And I have to go with tradition. That's not biblical. Before his execution, he was forced to watch the crucifixion of his wife. And from his jail cell, he kept encouraging her over and over, remember the Lord, remember the Lord, remember the Lord. It's a man who learned his lessons. When it was time for his own crucifixion, he requested of his murderers that he be crucified upside down. He felt unworthy to die the way the Lord had died. Tradition says it was granted to him. God transformed Peter, the loudmouth, from this impulsive, loud fisherman into a powerful instrument for his glory. But I want you to think about something for a second. He transformed everyone who is yielded to him. Do you understand that? You know, I, I hear people tell me that, well, they've never seen God do this and never seen God do that. I know where I came from. I know my vileness. I know that that nature is still there. The problem in the church today is most of us don't think we're that vile. You know, I have some blemishes. And I try to tell everybody the only difference between me and the rest of humanity is that everything you thought about, I just went and did it. And yet, the vileness is equal if you think about it or whether you do it. And I know when you yield to Him, it ain't about me no more. And you think about it. Listen, listen. When you get angry, 
What's it about? You've offended me. And you're so important, what? So don't think you don't have that vileness. Who's never been angry? Who runs around and considers others more important than themselves? Is that our nature? And yet he will take all of this stuff if you yield to it. And he will do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you could ever think or imagine. But you have to yield to it. And we love doing that, don't we? We love submitting to what? We submit to the when the police car comes up behind us, huh? I will now throttle down. Right? Do you see what I'm trying to get at? Because, see, it's easy to say, well, there's a drug dealer, or there's this person, or there's this drunkard, or there's this, and those are evil people. Really? How are you doing with considering others more important than yourself? How are you doing with loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? How are you doing with that? What is God doing in the depth of your character? Do you know that if you worry, it's a sin? Did you know that? Well, but you don't know. You're telling me that God can't handle that one. That's what you just said to me. Because I know people right now who think that worry is a spiritual gift. And, and, it, and it's bizarre to me. Because if you think about it, take something as easy as finances. Why do we worry about finances? God says, if my people walk with me in the midst of famine, I shall care for them. Why do we worry about it? Well, if you spend money like a drunken Navy, you might want to worry about it. But if you're a good steward of what God gives you, you got no worries. Do we know the joy of serving Christ that Peter knew? Did you hear what I said? Don't lose any of them words. The joy of serving Christ that Peter knew? Listen, brothers and sisters, there's no higher calling. I hope that each of us will be faithful. I want to move on to Peter's brother, Andrew. Peter's brother lived in Bethsaida. I've been to Bethsaida. It's on the Sea of Galilee, the north, northeast end of it. Fishing community. We don't have a lot of information about Andrew, but there is some things that are very notable about Andrew. Every time I look at him in Scripture, 
there's one thing, one characteristic that stands out like the blazing sun. He's always seen leading people to Christ. He heard John the Baptist point to Jesus and say, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of man. What was his first response? He went and got his brother Peter. Let me give these to you. John's Gospel, chapter 1. 35 and following. Again, the next day, John was standing with his two disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day where it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found first his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus And Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which translated Peter. That's what he always does. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 20, when Jesus called Andrew and Peter, they both left the nets. There was no hesitation. The next time we see Andrew is in chapter 6 of Gospel of John, verses 8 and 9. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish. What are these for so many people? That's when he's ready to feed the 5,000. It was late in the day. They only had a small lunch and they had a mass of people. And Andrew says, here we go. Chapter 12 of John's Gospel. Verse 20 and 22. Now, there were some Greeks among those who were going up to worship at the feast. These came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and began to ask him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came, and he told Andrew. And Andrew came, and he did what? Told Jesus. What's he doing? He's taking everybody to Jesus. Taking everyone to Jesus. Listen, a lot of people say, well, I'm kind of like Peter. Okay? But you know what? I think I'm more like Andrew. I'm just going to keep pointing to people to Jesus. Okay? I, just, just bypass me. 
Go straight to the king. Philip came looking for Jesus. Andrew did what? Took him to Jesus. Listen. Andrew didn't always know how the Lord would deal with a person or situation. Whether it was the feeding of the 5,000 or the people coming for salvation. He had no idea how it was going to work. Okay? And if you're really honest with yourselves, aren't most of us that way? I mean, we'd like to see a whole bunch of people saved. But we don't see that. We have situations in our lives that we don't have any idea how this is going to come out. Because I have people ask me all the time. I need to know the will of God. And I always smile at him. It's your sanctification. Well, well, how's that work? Well, you'll find out. We don't always know. And yet... Andrew, God bless him, he kept bringing them to Christ anyway. I have no idea how this is going to work out. But I'm going to keep bringing them. You know what? Truth of the matter is, shouldn't that be the characteristic of every believer? Shouldn't it? Our gifts... All vary. Our places in society are all different. And yet, we have one thing in common. We need to keep pointing people to Christ. The Great Commission in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them the commandments that I taught you. We must lead sinners to Christ. That should be our single greatest view. Listen, I look at Andrew, and he's the proverbial second fiddle. Proverbial second fiddle. I remember one time when I was down in Hoffmantown Church in Albuquerque. Dr. Stephen Olford, one of the greatest preachers that I have ever gotten to sit under, and Wayne Barber was preaching, and Stephen Olfer was preaching, and they're friends, okay? And, I mean, these guys, uh, man, <laughs> you're just like, well, here we go. And they were both preaching that night. And so I went over and told them how I was there, and I was going to be there to listen to all the rest of it. And they said, come with us. So we go walking back in the choir room or something like that. And he- here are these two guys. And they both look at me and he says, can you do me a favor? And I said, what's that? And they says, could you pray for us right now? Just the three of us. Greatest honor it has ever given me. I got on my knees and I prayed for both of those men. That God would anoint their speech. And you know what? The only person that knew about it was the three of us. I went and sat back down. And God answered my prayer. Andrew was second fiddle. Go through the text that I just gave you in the Gospel of John. You'll find something that is very fascinating. They'll use the name Andrew. 
Simon Peter's brother. Every time. How would you like to be known? I am Peter's brother. Throughout Holy Writ, I am Peter's brother. You see? Why? He's second fiddle. When he met Jesus first, his first response when he met Jesus was what? Tell his brother. Even knowing his brother's obnoxious personality. Andrew was truly humble, man. He was more concerned about bringing people to Christ rather than being concerned about who was in charge. He took advantage of every opportunity to lead to Christ. He had an openness in his faith and he drew everybody to it. That's why we would lead people to Christ. See, he knew what the Lord's mission was. The Lord's mission was to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Matthew chapter 10, verse 6. But he also understood John 12, 20 to 22. Now there were some Greeks among them. He also understood that this Jesus was for the Gentiles and for the Jews. See, this is the same guy who was there at the wedding of Canaan. When Jesus turned water into wine. So he knew Jesus could do an amazing stuff with very little. He knew Jesus when we give him the five loaves and the two fish. I don't know how he's going to do it. But he will. The early church fathers, tradition. These were things that were noted in the first century church. Said that Andrew was preaching in a province. Of the Roman Empire. And the provincial governor's wife listened to him preach. And she got saved. Now, if you know anything about history, you understand quickly this is a problem. Who puts the governors in place? Rome. Who was the God, the deity that walked the earth under the Roman Empire? Caesar. When you see the title Caesar, that's what they're saying. You bow to Caesar. So the governor's got a problem. His wife now serves another God. So he asked her to reject Christ. She refused. This could cost him his job, his pension. This angered him. He had Andrew crucified on an X-shaped cross to teach his wife a lesson. 
History says he hung on that cross for two days. And even then, his faith and courage never failed. Tradition says he preached the cross, preached the gospel from that cross for the full two days. He was still trying to win others to Christ, even in crucifixion. That's Simon Peter's brother. A humble, faithful, courageous saint who labored behind the scenes. It's like I said, there are speaking gifts, there are serving gifts. It is those who are serving behind the scenes that are the backbone to those who speak. You know, I have had the opportunity to preach in numerous countries. I preached uh, in the synagogue that was across the street from Peter's house. I have had opportunity to preach on the south steps of the Temple Mound. I have preached in Moscow and Oriel and Zeminka, Glasgow. I've preached in London, down by the cliffs of Dover. And none of that is possible without you guys. Never possible. I have people who pray for me every day. I have a dear friend in Georgia right now who prays for me personally every day. And he said he would until one of us is called home. And without prayer and those people behind the scenes, you don't pull this off. Listen, we may never be as prominent as Peter. Okay? But I read you that card this morning. I don't know who this guy is. And I don't know why he would send me a bunch of Buddhist temple things. But he did. And it is because of that guy back there that he got to see it on the internet. Because you don't want me trying to put it on the internet. Okay? That's the stuff that you and I have to be aware of. Here you got Peter. Yeah, he was in your face. Once he got instructed, he was sent out. But then you have his brother. And it was his brother who brought Peter to Jesus. Listen, we may not be as prominent as Peter. Or Paul. But we can all be humble. We can all be faithful. And we can all be courageous servants. Just like Andrew. Just like Andrew. How would you like to be remembered as his brother? And yet throughout the scriptures, it's Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Which is better 
than Matthew the tax collector. <laughs> okay? I'll go ahead and stick with Simon Peter instead of tax collector. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word, the amazing things you continue to do. I thank you for Andrew. And Father, the, the picture that he is to each of us. Father, we should stand in all of these men. But Father, we should stand in all of what you did through these men. Um, these guys were as strange as every one of us. And yet, Father, you turned the world upside down with them. Father, please let us understand that the leaders are dependent, absolutely dependent on those who are humble, faithful, courageous behind the scenes. Father, help us. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be humble. Help us to be brave. But Father, help us to serve you with the zeal of the disciples. To you, my King, my Lord. Amen.